Welcome to Civics and Coffee. My name is Alicia and I am a self-professed history nerd. Each week, I'm going to chat about a topic on U.S. history and give you both the highlights and occasionally break down some of the complexities in history and share stories you may not remember learning in high school, all in the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. Hey everyone, welcome back. Before I dive into this week's topic, I have a little housekeeping to take care of. Now, if you follow the podcast on Instagram or Twitter, you may already know about this stuff. But because I record these episodes so far in advance, this is the first opportunity I'm getting a chance to share it on the show. First, I wanted to let you know there's now a fancy pants website for the podcast. Head on over to civicsandcoffee.com where you can get episode summaries and information about how you can listen to the show. I have big plans for the website, so stay tuned. I also took a leap and joined Buy Me a Coffee. Buy Me a Coffee works like a tip jar. If you've been enjoying yourself, consider buying me a coffee. The tips go towards keeping the pod ad-free and help me with the costs associated, including research materials and all the coffee ingested while working up episodes for you. And I'm so humbled to share that I already have a few coffees. Shout out to Stacy and Val. You ladies rock. You can find the link to buy me a coffee at the website, civicsandcoffee.com. Lastly, it's March, which means it's Women's History Month. So this month, I'll be dropping extra episodes during the week to highlight a few women and their contributions to American history. Be sure to stay tuned. Moving on to this week's topic. A few episodes ago, I asked you whether or not I should do a show on Benjamin Franklin. And the overwhelming answer was, heck yeah. So... This week, I'm doing a deep dive into the man, the myth, the legend, Benjamin Franklin. Let me tell you, there is a lot to cover. This guy lived like five lives during his 84 years and has a legacy that continues to be felt today, though you may not realize it. And as I will share, I think that's exactly how Franklin would have wanted it. So, who was Benjamin Franklin? Why is he on the $100 bill? And just what did he contribute to the founding of America? Grab your coffee, peeps. Let's do it. Benjamin Franklin was born on January 17, 1706 in Boston, Massachusetts. He was the 10th of 17 children. Holy moly. And received very little in the way of formal education, officially ending his schooling at the age of 10 after only a few years of study. Franklin was naturally an inquisitive individual, and many of his notable inventions would come as a result of his attention to detail and desire to know how things worked, and more importantly, how to make things useful. Though he would create a number of inventions throughout his life, Franklin never filed patents on any invention, wanting people to enjoy and improve upon his creations. One of his hobbies as a child was swimming in the Charles River. It was this activity that would lead to the first of many inventions, While swimming and racing friends, he noticed individuals with larger hands and feet were able to swim much faster. As a result of this observation, he fashioned himself a set of flippers and paddles, allowing him to beat his friends whenever they met. His father, who made a living producing soap and candles, had very little excess income and could not afford tuitions to places like Harvard or Yale. So instead of college, Franklin was apprenticed to his brother James, a printer, to learn a trade. Franklin seemed to flourish under the tutelage of his brother, 
refining his writing style and devouring books. In 1721, his brother James founded the New England Current, the first independent newspaper in America, where he invited readers to submit their own articles for printing. Franklin, eager to demonstrate his mastery of the written word, asked his brother if one of his articles could be featured. His brother declined. Not one to take no for an answer, Ben began producing articles under a fake name, Silence Dogwood. Silence, portrayed as a middle-aged woman, wrote 14 articles on a myriad of topics before Ben was discovered as the true author. In 1722, James got into a wee bit of trouble with the authorities and was prohibited from publishing the weekly paper. He decided to skirt around this banishment by signing documents dropping his brother's indenture contract and putting him in charge of the paper. Learning to become a typesetter remained Franklin's proudest achievement, despite his various other titles of diplomat, postmaster, politician, scientist, statesman. In his last will and testament, Franklin listed only one title, printer. But after a disagreement with his brother, Ben ran away to find new opportunities in Philadelphia. While still technically under an indenture contract with James, Benjamin knew his brother had publicly posted documents to the contrary and took a gamble his brother wouldn't press the issue publicly. He was right. Franklin was almost allergic to pomp and circumstance and had a real distaste for elites and the whole idea of nobility. He enjoyed talking with fellow tradesmen and artisans and in 1727 started a social club, the Ginto. Also sometimes known as the Leather Apron Club, the organization was intended to be a social gathering place where middle-class Americans could collaborate and discuss a variety of topics. Franklin used the club to propose and gain support for a number of new ideas, many of which came to fruition. It was at the Junto, for example, that Franklin proposed a volunteer fire force, a progressive tax to cover the costs of neighborhood police, and an academy of learning that would go on to become the University of Pennsylvania. Opened in 1751 as the College of Pennsylvania, the university was the first secular, or non-religious, college in America. The Jinto was also the starting place of the first subscription library in the United States. Once they moved into a large space, the Jinto members created a library and allowed individuals to borrow the books in exchange for membership dues. In 1728, Franklin became the sole proprietor of his own print shop and is the first person in the United States to manufacture type, creating a sans-serif font known as Franklin Gothic. The font was officially named in his honor in 1902 and is the typical font used in newspaper headlines. Take that, Times New Roman. Franklin is also the first to publish a novel in the United States, reprinting Pamela by Samuel Richardson in 1744. He became the publisher of the Pennsylvania Gazette in October 1729 and was committed to being nonpartisan and promoted the idea of free speech. In an editorial titled Apology for Printers, Franklin makes one of the fiercest defenses of free press ever published. In September of 1730, he entered into a common-law marriage with Deborah Reed. Reed, whom he had met and proposed to earlier in his youth, had married another man during Franklin's first journey to England. Unfortunately, her husband abandoned her and fled to Barbados. Unable to divorce, Reed and Franklin never officially married, but did produce two children, Francis Folger Franklin in 1732 and Sarah Sally Franklin in 1743. Benjamin also brought into his relationship his illegitimate son, William, born in 1730 or 1731. Franklin's relationship with his children would be strained and cold, 
due in part to his vast years spent overseas and, in the case of his son William, being on opposing sides during the Revolution. His youngest son, Francis, passed away from smallpox just after his fourth birthday and would cause Franklin to become an outspoken supporter of inoculation for the rest of his life. A voracious reader, Franklin gained the support from fellow Gento members to start a public library. The Library Company of Pennsylvania, incorporated in 1731, is the oldest cultural institution in the United States and holds over 500,000 books and 160,000 manuscripts, including the first editions of Moby Dick. Franklin amassed a sufficient nest egg to retire in 1748 at the age of 42. I can already hear my husband's jealousy. He's close to that age and tells me constantly he's ready to retire. Sorry, Henny. It was in his retirement that Franklin got to really put his scientist hat on, experimenting with electricity, ocean currents, and meteorology, just to name a few. I swear, you could do a whole episode just on his experiments and various inventions. He came up with the phrase positive and negative charges during his electricity experiments and described the concept of electrical grounding, batteries, and the difference between insulators and conductors. Among his various theories and discoveries is the idea that germs, and not cold air, is responsible for the spreading of colds. He also wrote about lead poisoning, something he experienced firsthand as a typesetter in his youth. His experiments and discoveries prompted honorary degrees from both Harvard and Yale in 1753. Of course, it's also after his retirement that Franklin embarked on his career as diplomat and statesman, acting on behalf of the United States throughout the American Revolution. In 1753, Franklin would become a royal postmaster and be responsible for the mail delivery throughout the colonies, often traveling throughout the country to inspect the postal routes. It was during his tenure as postmaster, Franklin began thinking of uniting the colonies as one entity. He made his proposal, known as the Albany Plan, in 1754. The plan called for a central government with a one-house legislature who would be vested with the authority to tax, raise an army, and make treaties. While it did not succeed in 1754, many pieces of this plan later made their way into the Constitution some 30 years later. Franklin spent most of his time overseas from the late 1750s through the 1770s, initially sent to London in 1757 as a representative of Pennsylvania to protest the political influence of the proprietors of the colony. Franklin would be on hand to protest the Stamp Act and argued for American interests in Parliament. He eventually lost favor with the British elite, being fired from his royal postmaster duties in 1774 and returned to America in 1775. He was elected to the Second Continental Congress and drafted into the committee to write the Declaration of Independence, though illness caused him to have a more editorial role in the text's overall language. By 1776, he was back on the high seas, destined for Europe, where he would lobby the French government for assistance and negotiate the treaty to end the war with Britain in 1782. In one of his final acts as statesman, Franklin attended the Constitutional Convention in the summer of 1787 and presented a statement pressing for the delegates to sign the newly crafted government, saying in part, quote, I agree to this Constitution with all its faults, if they are such, because I think a general government necessary for us, and there is no form of government but what may be a blessing to the people, if well administered, end quote. Franklin is the only person to be present for and sign the documents most viewed as the building blocks towards making a new nation the Declaration of Independence, 
the Alliance Agreement with France, the Peace Treaty with Britain, and the Constitution. Benjamin Franklin passed away on April 17, 1790, at the age of 84. Almost 20,000 mourners filled the streets of Philadelphia to watch his funeral procession. Leading his coffin were clergymen of every faith, a nod to Franklin's ambivalence towards religion. There are lots of details and trivia I am leaving out, obvi. Like I said, Franklin crammed about five lifetimes in his 84 years. But before I let you go, I wanted to share a few more interesting facts I learned about the famed father. He didn't start out too well on the idea of slavery or minority rights, writing that Africans should not be imported into the country so that whites could have a chance to increase their numbers in the new land. However, by the end of his life, he was a staunch defender and supporter of the abolitionist movement, acting as the president of the Pennsylvania Society for Promoting the Abolition of Slavery in 1787. He also got to hang out with French philosopher Voltaire during his extended visits to Europe, and he came up with the concept of matching grants while raising money for a hospital. And though he's been on the face of the $100 bill since 1928, there was no documented reason for his selection that I could find. Sorry, peeps. Franklin's legacy continues to impact our lives to this day thanks to his inventions, experiments, and political work. So, I leave you this week with a quote that I think perfectly describes Franklin's approach and beliefs. Quote, Does thou love life? Then do not squander time for that's the stuff life is made of. End quote. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together. Mm-hmm.